Welcome, everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, My local author here in Southwest Florida, who's also a best-selling author and and very well-known in the writing community, um, is my guest tonight, Lisa Black, and I live about 20 minutes apart from each other, and yet we've never ever been on the radio together, although we've been at plenty of conferences together where she's always a speaker on forensic sciences and she, because she is a forensic scientist. As a matter of fact, um, she worked at a coroner's office earlier on in her career and is now a certified latent print examiner and crime investigator at one of the local police departments here. But she is published by Kensington Books. Her new book is called Let Justice Descend. Welcome, Lisa Black. It's uh, nice to talk to you again, girlfriend. Thank you. I really appreciate being on. This is always so I fun. Know. I, yeah, you know, I think the last time we saw each other was in Key West. We had to go to Key West, Key West to chat with each other. And then before that, it's, book, <laughs> it's usually Book Fest, Southwest Readers Fest. So, um, and... What else? We're, we saw each other. Boucher, and we see each other everywhere. Boucher Con, Blue Yeah, Pass. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So funny. So, Lisa, um, you know, I want to talk first about your work because as we were talking about Green Room, most people have a very wrong idea about what a crime scene investigator does. As a matter of fact, in the condo development where I live, there is a big county, we are in the same county, folks, um, a county van. It's a white van with Lee County crime scene investigator on it. And it is not high tech. It's a Chevy van, panel van. (laughs) Um, It's just loaded with tackle boxes which I'm sure is something that you have also. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, When I worked in South Miami police, the detective who was in charge of of prints and and crime scene carried around a couple of tackle boxes and camera with film that she had to actually have developed. So because of television, like CSI Miami and NCIS, people really have a, a misunderstanding about the art and science of forensic investigation, don't they? They do. <laughs> it's People know a lot more about forensics than they used to, but they don't know as much as they think they know, or at least that's what mm-hmm. one instructor told us, told us to be wary of uh, when we're testifying in court. But the the main thing about forensics is like what you see on television the science is usually correct but they're doing the case of a lifetime every week in under an hour and you know the evidence is always there and it's always perfect and it always tells them exactly what they need to know and the probably the two biggest myths that you see on TV is that anybody in any police department has access to everyone who's ever been fingerprinted in the entire United States, including job applicants and military, which is someday going to be reality, but we're not quite there yet. We're getting there slowly. And the other, the, the biggest one is that we have databases of every substance known to man from, you know, toothpaste right. to wall paint to motor oil. And that's, that part is so not reality. Right. Unfortunately. Well, it would be it would be impossible with so many new substances 
coming out every single day. Something developed every single day, and 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 changing exactly. and improving, or, or you know, so there was no way you could be able to do that. Um, I know that you worked in a morgue at one time in the coroner's office. What did you do there? I was in the trace evidence department. I examined victims' clothing. I did hairs and fibers, paint, glass. Um, blood typing, and a lot of gunshot residue. Wow. Um, And you intentionally went to school to do crime scene work, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, At the time, they didn't have degrees in forensic science. That was just around the corner. And so I have a degree in biology. Uh, back then, you would just get a degree in the natural sciences, pretty much. If you got chemistry, you'd go into drug analysis. If you got biology, you'd go into serology and trace evidence, like I did. Now, you are a civilian for the department that you work for, correct? Yes. Um, does that entitle you to carry a gun, or do you go to crime scenes with police officers? I do not carry a gun. I go to crime scenes with police officers. They are, they are always supposed to be there when we are there. We are never there alone. Do you work with a team or by yourself? Well, we have um, about like five people in the, in the department. We have four techs of us that regularly go to crime scenes. And we basically do, um, you know, your average burglary, criminal mischief, suicide we'll do that ourselves mm-hmm. we there's usually only more than one of us there if it's a homicide or some you know some large scale event <laughs> fortunately in the city that you live in there is not a lot of homicide i mean it happens occasionally but it's not a crime haven and because i used to live there and i know but i'm sure there's plenty <laughs> to keep you busy there's plenty to keep you busy, especially do you handle like drunk driving ca- uh, crashes where there's fatalities or severe injuries? We go to cry, um, traffic crashes, but only to take photographs for the traffic crash investigator. Um, there's uh, police officers that are specially trained in, in traffic accidents. It involves a lot of a lot of physics and a lot of experience and a lot of training. So mm-hmm. they do everything. All we do is, is take pictures for them, just really for their convenience, not for any other reason. Wow. Now, because of your work, is that why you decided to become a writer, or were you a writer before you decided to do this work? No, I was actually a writer first. I always wrote stories, you know, when I was a kid, and they just got longer and longer. And actually, my first degree was in political science believe it or not. Uh-huh. So I, I graduated with no marketable skills whatsoever, except typing. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I became a secretary. What else was I going to do to make a living? So uh, yeah, I was a personnel secretary for 10 years. And so then I'm sitting in front of a word processor all day and I thought, well, what the heck? I'll write a novel. How hard can it be? And since I famous always, last words, right? Only, famous last yes, words. I'll how say, hard can it be? <laughs> I'll say yeah, so I wrote nine before I got one published, and wow. in the meantime, wow. I uh, got bored with being a secretary, so I went back to school to get the degree in biology. So I, I wrote mysteries before I even got into forensics, but then, you know, once I 
had the experience of working at the coroner's office, it just made sense to apply forensics to telling a mystery story. And around that time, you know, CSI premiered and the stars sort of aligned for me. And, and then, uh, then I was published. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Um, your books do so well. I think that having a female writer with a female protagonist and your, your, this, you know, you're mixing in what you do in your real life with your day job with, or sometimes night job or 24 hour a day job. Um, you're mixing yeah. all that in. So, so I know I've, I've spoken to you and you've said, Oh my God, you know, I can't believe it. But, um, your fans really are like you. They are kind of rabid about your books. Um, and you get lots and lots and lots of, of stars from them in your reviews. Is that important for you to see stars on your reviews? Or is it more important that your, your readers are really loving your books? Um, I love stars. Stars are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, sure. Yeah. It's, it's really it's always a, incredibly exciting to me when somebody just says you know they like it. I'm like, wow, really? You do? You know? <laughs> it's just still so hard for me to believe. And um, I think the the biggest compliment I ever get is people will sometimes say, I totally forgot about all my problems when I was writing your book, reading your book. It just totally took my mind off everything that wow. was going on. And wow. I think that's, you know, that's the, the greatest thing I can do. Yeah. Uh, well, that's definitely a good bit of entertainment. If someone's completely blocking everything out. Um, I, I'm like that too. And when I read your book, when I first got it, I was really impressed by it. So, you know, naturally I had to do it in, in one sitting. I had to read from cover to cover. It's excellent. Let's talk about oh, yay. Let Justice Descend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge reader, you know. So uh, let's talk about Let Justice Descend. That is your newest book. Um, and I noticed that in this one you have used a little bit of your political science. <laughs> so, so maybe it wasn't all in vain that you got that degree, right? Tell listeners maybe. about that. Maybe. That would be nice. My, my poor parents yeah. who paid for that degree, I'm, I'm sure, would appreciate it. <laughs> so tell us about the book. Well, in in um, Let Justice Descend, uh, we have uh, my characters, Jack and Maggie. And right. Maggie is a, a forensic scientist for the city of Cape Coral, um, city of Cleveland Police Department. And Jack is a homicide detective who has um, a bad habit uh, in the past of killing people who he thinks are irredeemable, who are the worst of the worst of the city's criminals that he has, you know, very carefully selected and researched and, and selected to be people who are never going to get convicted because they never leave enough witnesses to even get into a courtroom in the first place. So that's their history. And Maggie is aware of this. And for reasons of her own, she's, she's keeping a secret, but that's a very tentative thing because he knows it's really hard on her to do that. And if circumstances or, or if he pushes her too much, she might break and confess all because that's the kind of person she is. And so we'll let justice descend starts out where a, a senator 
is killed on her doorstep about two, three days before the election. She's up for re-election. You know, it's a bitterly fought. She's in her home, you know, home state of her home city of, of Cleveland. And she is killed right on her doorstep. And the obvious suspect is her rival, of course. And who's this, um, I think he's a city treasurer who is running for senator. And he's been, you know, bribing and, and corrupting his way through politics for like 20 years. So he's got lots of favors owed him. But when they investigate this, when they go in the house of this senator, Jack and Maggie, they find a, a safe in her bedroom with almost a million dollars in it. And just like weird little bundles of cash that she has obviously been accumulating. So she obviously has quite a few skeletons in her closet as well. And I would so. then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, this gets involved with a, um, um, a young entrepreneur who is trying to get this big project and building project and construction going in Cleveland. And the, the, the rival is supporting him for reasons no one can quite figure out. And then there's an EPA agent who sees this environmental disaster on the horizon coming from both parties. If, if this, this project goes through. So he's in there trying to save, you know, the, the drinking water system of the Cuyahoga County and it, you know, gets pretty complicated. Wow. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of moving pieces in this book. Um, and so I want to know, when you are writing this intricate of, uh, of a plot, are you writing from an outline or a character, I mean, um, a plot kind of storyboard? How are you keeping all the pieces in place? Well, I usually do something of an outline, which is not really what we were taught in school with the little, you know, indentations and, and the letters and numbers and things. But right. it's more just like scribbling on a piece of paper that this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. And so I have the whole book um, planned out before I begin. I, I'm, right. I'm a plotter. I, I can't write, you know, I can't make it up as I go along or I'll wind up in a, in a horrible corner. So I know who's going to die, why they're going to die, who's going to kill them, you know, the, the major clues that are going to lead Maggie and Jack to the conclusion. And then the, the smaller details I kind of have to work out as I go. So when you're writing, because you have this kind of sort of outline in place for your story, do you write in sequential order, chapters in, in sequence, or will you say, oh, I have an idea that I want to put in the book and write that paragraph, or do you write the ending before you finish the other parts? <laughs> uh, I'm curious to know what, what it's like to actually do the writing. No, I write from beginning to end. I think my my first book I wrote like scenes out of order, but then I was afraid that filling in between them, I was just filling in and not really paying enough attention to you know what was immediately going on. So, so I make myself write it from beginning to end, without you know without stopping. I don't, um, I don't put it into chapters until I'm completely done with the book. 
I don't really? I don't worry about chapters. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't worry about chapters. If I, if I get to, you know, the end of a section, I just skip a few lines and go on to the next one. Because then if you wind up going back and putting something in, then, you know, then that chapter is going to be too long and you have to adjust all the other ones. So it's like I just I don't even bother doing that until I'm completely done with the whole manuscript. So let's talk about chapters because I have I mean, nowadays it seems like all the old rules for writing went out the window because there are some books that I'll read and it doesn't detract from them. I want to say this ahead of time, but mm-hmm. a paragraph, uh, one chapter, maybe 10 pages and the next chapter, maybe one page. Then it goes on to the, and they're not real long chapters. They're actually, mm-hmm. unless it's so filled with action and the whole book is nothing but action. You know, very rarely is there a breather in chapters, mm-hmm. but, um, so do you strive to make your chapters even? It's something I didn't even notice in, I don't, I didn't notice in your book about a, an even number of pages per chapter. I try a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to have them fairly, you know, similar to each other, but I don't get too concerned about it. I mean, if, if this, action is going on. If I need more pages in this chapter than that chapter, then, then I do that. So when you're writing, is it important that at the end of the chapter, there's always a cliffhanger to go into the next chapter? That's ideal. That, that would be best. I I think you Mm want to give the reader some reason, you know, that they need to turn the next page and, and find out, you know, what happens next. So, because you have all these moving parts and these different subplots going on in your book, um, I, you know, I, it's interesting to me that there are a lot of red herrings in, especially in mysteries and thrillers, and um, what I assume is going to be the conclusion doesn't turn out to be the conclusion. So, um, as a matter of fact, when I'm, I'm saying, oh, okay, and then the author changes it up and it's kind of like a double tap for me, you know, when, when, (laughs) when I thought it was resolved and then I find out, no, 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 it wasn't resolved at all. That is my favorite kind of book to read. So your book really moves quickly and it's very, very enjoyable. Um, When you start to write, do you have a storyline in mind and then you plug in the characters, or do you think about your characters and, and say, okay, what could they be doing now? What would they be investigating now? I know that your 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 books are character driven, but how does the storyline come about for those characters? Hmm. Well, my main characters, I know, you know who they are, and I know how they're going to react to things. Uh huh. So, and it's their, it's the one handy thing about writing a police procedural. It's their job to investigate the crime. You know, I don't have to come up with reasons for them to be going here or going there or talking to these. That's their job. They have to do it. So (laughs) that, that makes things a lot easier in a lot of ways. And, you know, just how they react to things is in their, in their personalities. 
And I see. the secondary characters, I don't really know where they come from. They just, you know, kind of pop into my head and then they're there. You know? Usually I, I need them to... I need them to do something. I need, you know, this person to tell them this, or I need that person to tell them that. And right. And somehow, they, somehow they just—I don't know—the minute they walk on the page, they come to life. Um, Maggie and Jack. Is, this book is uh, "Let Justice Descend" is number five in their series. What has mm-hmm. changed about your characters from the first book to, to book number five? Well, Jack was operating very, very nicely in in the shadows, you know, without anybody knowing about him, without getting close to anybody. He was really just kind of an island all to himself and very good at making sure no one noticed him, you know. And, well, now he's definitely been noticed, at least by Maggie. So that's kind of thrown his a, a lot of shakiness into his world. You know, he he really had this down to, you know, a science. He knew exactly what he was doing all the time. And Maggie was just kind of almost kind of loping along in her life. You know, she's she's single and she's a bit of a workaholic and that's pretty much all she does. And, and she doesn't really do a lot of socializing outside of her job. And how I kind of imagine it is, you know, she was – it, not knowing it, but she was kind of floundering in 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 a way, um, mm-hmm. because she just had this one linchpin in her life, which was work. But she didn't really give much thought to, you know, who she was or what she was doing every single day. And hmm. you know, he was he was so set in exactly what he was doing. And as the series goes on she kind of gets more and more sure of herself and, you know, his little perfect setup is, is crumbling slowly. And, you know, it's an interesting premise. His, his backstory to me, his backstory to me is very interesting because, um, you know, here's this guy who's, you know, gonna, he's, he's so revenge oriented and he's going to, you know, he dispenses justice by his own hand at what he feels is justice by his own hand. And, um, I, I be, I'll be curious to see if it, how it alters his personality when you write again about them, because I would imagine mm-hmm. that, that, you know, like you were saying, the, the strings are kind of being pulled or it's falling apart a little bit, like an old sweater that you washed too many times. And, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it, it, and, the repercussions are devastating if anybody finds out, correct? Right, right. I mean, he could... So he, he could, so he's gone from being largely invulnerable to being very vulnerable, and, and he's, you know, not quite sure what to do about that. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, are you <laughs> are you writing another book now that this one's been out for a few... I know that you write as often as you can, Um are you working on something now, Lisa? Um, the next Maggie and Jack story is all done. It's at my publishers, and that wow. will be out in next September. Wow. And um, then I'm working on um, one that's going to come after that, 
Wow. <laughs> I don't know where you find the time because sometimes I know you, you are gone for so long. Um, so are we going to see a Teresa McLean book at any time? Uh, not, I don't have any plans for it at the moment. Unfortunately, I, I would have liked to do another couple of, of Teresa McLean books. I had, you know, some plans for her that I never, you know, got around to completing. Yeah. But I don't know where I'm going to find time right at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, her first book was a huge seller for you. It was so beloved. The the takeover, I think, is the first one, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, yes. people love that story. Um, Lisa, tell us where we can find you on the web and in social media. My website is uh, www.lisa-black.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter. And, and Twitter, I'm Lisa, at Lisa Black Author. And Facebook, I don't know what I am. I'm just Lisa Black. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not a super techie. <laughs> I know I need to get a lot better at You mean a I'm, social media? And you're techie in other ways. You're just not a social yeah. media techie, right? <laughs> so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, true. And I'm, I'm somewhere on Instagram. I don't, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, woman, that's fine. This is Lisa Black. Her book is Let Justice Descend. It's a Gardner and Renner thriller, book number five. I highly recommend this. Um, Lisa, thanks so much for being with me. And um, I guess I'll see you maybe at, at Reader's Fest again this year. <clears throat> and, and, yeah. Or, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come over and see you, <laughs> whatever you're not writing or, or, or you know, investigating. Um Thanks for being with me, and I wish you and your family a happy holiday. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks very much. (laughs) Listeners, thanks for being with me tonight, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. 